are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And I am your host, your pal, in the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today is a big day in the world of the Vikings. Today is the day the players report to training camp we made it everybody we are here and it's also twitter tuesday which means i'm going to be taking your questions all throughout the show including some about some of the headlines of monday so we'll make sure we hit all the bits of news as well over the course of this uh but yeah the, the vikings rookies report today on the 27th and uh we are underway they won't get the pads on for another week or so yet so we won't get any big news or any big movement i don't think in terms of position battles and stuff for a little bit but things are starting to gear up but let's get into some of the questions we'll start with the ones that are pertinent to the day's headlines the first one comes from tanner perriman who asks with twyman going to nfi if he clears waivers who in your mind keeps the job while he's out so uh, let's assume that there were five defensive tackles. Sometimes there's four defensive tackles. Sometimes there's five. There have been six before. Let's go with five for now. Um, and let's assume that Jalen Twyman would have been one of those. I mean, he's a sixth round pick. Six round picks don't make the team all the time. So that's definitely not a, uh, a guarantee. But if you wanted to make a group of five, not counting Jalen Twyman, who was placed on the non-football injury list, uh, you would have Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, Sheldon Richardson, and then like Armin Watson, James Lynch would be the chalk too. And then you have Zeonde Johnson and Jordan Scott. I think Zeonde Johnson might be an edge rusher, actually. Uh, so then you kind of just have Jordan Scott like pushing for that. So I don't know. I guess James Lynch gets a roster spot he otherwise wouldn't have gotten. I guess he's the guy. Um, so if you're confused about the Jalen Twyman stuff, um, so if you remember, he had an incident earlier in the summer, he went home to see his aunt, got caught in the wrong place in the wrong time. He took four stray bullets, uh, and ended up being only superficially wounded, which is nothing short of a miracle. And he should be ready. Uh, his agent says he would be ready to show up to camp, but the Vikings to make room on the roster for D.D. Westbrook put him on the non-football injury reserve list, which is sort of like an IR where he can't come back until week eight. To do so, they have to subject him to waivers. That has to be like a real release. Um, and so if somebody wanted to take J Jalen Twyman, they actually have the right to do so. And so it actually kind of technically counts as a release. Um, I don't know what it does to his contract, if it terminates the contract or anything like that. But you might see some headlines that are like, Jalen Twyman got cut because he got shot. That's not really how it works. It's a procedural move that does technically have to count as a cut. But he'll still be a Viking unless somebody else poaches him, which I think is pretty doubtful considering where he's at uh, health-wise and all that, and that he was a sixth-round pick in the first place. The other roster news, nobody asked a question about this, but I should mention it, Riley Patterson, one of the kickers in the kicker competition, will start the season on uh, the pup list. 
list with an injury. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's been dis- disclosed yet. Um, that is going to basically just give Greg Joseph that much more uh, of, a, of a leg up in that competition, no pun intended. Um, and we'll just kind of have to see if he even has a job to come back to by the time he comes back from Pup. Uh, when you're on pup during the uh, preseason, you can kind of come back whenever. It's basically just how you start. It's basically the list for guys that aren't ready to start training camp yet. Continuing on with the questions, the next one comes from Joey, who says, do you think you could put together a realistic trade package for Chandler Jones? Uh, I don't know what Chandler Jones would command at all. He's old. He's on a big contract. Uh, last year, that contract, he wants out, so that would lower the thing. I don't know. It'd probably be something like a fourth maybe a third but I could be way off base I'm kind of guessing there but I imagine the reason that gets brought up is that Patrick Peterson had a very candid episode of his podcast all things covered he does that with Brian McFadden um, where he talked a lot about his time in Arizona and he basically spoke on how well they paid JJ Watt they paid Buda Baker they took care of some guys but they didn't take care of me um, and they're not taking care of Chandler Jones I would love Chandler I would love to reunite with Chandler Jones essentially saying yeah I would love to play with him again and then people started kind of speculating about how that could happen uh, the next one is also on that. Jimothy asks, with our interest in finding a defensive end earlier in free agency, could the Vikings justify trading for an expensive old defensive end in Chandler Jones to fully go all in? And yeah, sure, they could totally justify that. The cap's a little tough to make it work out. He's He carries like a $15 million cap hit. You could lower that in a number of ways. You could do void year stuff or any number of ways to kind of borrow from future years. You can even just extend him for a couple of years, depending on how many years you think you could get out of him. You could do something like offer a higher pick, maybe trade a second round pick for Chandler Jones and in return the Cardinals take on a bunch of money and you could essentially trade one for one draft picks for uh, salary cap space that way Um, so uh, yeah you could kind of try to choose which currency you want to spend in in that way Um, I think they could totally justify it yeah they've got a hole at at edge rusher I don't even think that's like a fully all-in thing I think that you got a hole and you went and got a guy that fills it and you'll have to get a different guy that fills it next year but that's next year's problem Nathan asks, if the Vikings make the playoffs and lose in the first round, is Zimmer's job safe? I think absolutely. Um, I don't think Mike Zimmer's a kind of coach that gets fired after uh, losing in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, if anybody were to get fired after losing in the first round of the playoffs, it would have been Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis had to have a catastrophe season. Last year was about the closest thing you get to a catastrophe season, and it was a 7-9 and nine year, where they rattled off 5-1 and one right when Zimmer's seat was the hottest and kind of cooled off his seat there. Uh, they'd have to be like three and eight. I think that's how you get Zimmer fired. You have to be like genuinely bad, not like disappointingly average. Um, And there's a pretty big difference between those two things. Forrester asks, uh, D.D. Westbrook mentioned that part of what sold him on the Vikings was the Gidgety gadgets, or maybe more so the potential to employ them. What are some plays you'd like to see them employ now that we might have two or three speedy guys out there? Um, It's funny. I don't know what the gadgets are. Uh, I, I guess you could kind of do different variations on stuff. But as I understand it, the Vikings have a fairly simple scheme. They always did with Gary Kubiak, and I think part of that was, you know, youth at receiver, youth on the O-line and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think part of that, too, is just the idea of kind of keeping everything simple and core and then building off of that. And I think I would probably just lean into that. If you have more speed, I want to run more deep overs, more deep posts. You know, I don't necessarily need it to be all goes, although all goes is a great play. Um, I, I would love to have, you know, things more like Yankee and Mills and stuff that the Vikings do run plenty of because they got a couple of re- receivers in Thielen and Jefferson that, you know, they're not bad at that. Um, having a third guy there, I think that opens up some like three vert stuff, which can attack two high shells. Um, and cover two, send three guys deep. If they're in cover two, they only have two guys deep. You're going to get somebody open. Um, that kind of stuff becomes more of an option. Although I think you could already do that with Irv Smith. 
Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would love like end arounds and jet sweep kind of stuff. I think they underused that. I think uh, end around motion and jet motion and then actually uh, like handing it off to the guy. They used that motion a lot and it was open all the time and they didn't until the end of the season really start handing it off to the guy. And I, I think using his speed that way as kind of a horizontal thing would be pretty sweet. Ryan asks, are we overrating Didi's potential impact? Do you feel like he immediately fixes the punt return duties? Um, immediately fixes the punt return duties? It's possible. There could be any one of like 12 guys. So he's got to win the job over the rookies, over other people before we're even considering if he fixes the punt return thing. Um, I'd be really surprised if, you know, Chad Beebe was returning punts again. I'd be pretty disappointed at that because it seemed like they got Westbrook. They spent like two draft picks on kick returners. Um, they still have Amir Abdullah in the building, they still have KJ Osborne in the building. Uh, they've got a lot of guys that are supposed to be good at returning punts, and they really haven't figured that out since Marcus Sherrill's. Um, and I think, yeah, Westbrook is definitely one of the leaders in the clubhouse to take that job. And then if he gets that job, then yeah, I think there you go. You got a guy who can catch the ball, not fumble it too bad, and hopefully get you decent field position and, and just like not be the disaster, right? Don't be the reason you lost the game, even if you're not the reason we won the game. That's fine at punt returner. We got a lot more questions to get to, but first I want to talk to you about your car. It's getting hot out there, everyone. I mean, it is hot out there, right? It's late July, early August. This is when your car can bake. You got to make sure your oil's checked. You got to make sure your tires are good. And if you need any help with that, like a tire repair kit, if you drove over a nail or if something popped, um, other random supplies like jumper cables, if you don't have those on in your car, or if you're a true black thumb, do-it-yourselfer type, and you want to get parts for your car, go to rockauto.com. It's an aggregator of places of, of car parts you can buy directly from the manufacturer. And that means you can cut out the middleman and save a buck doing it because everything you buy at one of those brick and mortar auto shops is gonna be a lot more expensive. Just enter your make, your year, and your model. Rock Auto does the rest. They will present you with options that are all compatible with your car, and you can pick from there. And when you hit, uh, when you check out, there is a how you heard about us section. Make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you, because if you don't, the bunnies will find you, and they will ruin you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Continuing on with this mailbag, Offbeat Skull Chant asks, do you think Surratt missing minicamp will affect his season? Um, so this is hard because my opinion of Ch Chaz Surratt's season is that he probably won't see the field unless it's on special teams. I just don't think he's ready to play linebacker at all. Um, I don't think he's supposed to be. So missing minicamp is going to have an effect mostly on his short-term development, how ready he is for week one, but I didn't think he was going to be ready for week one anyways, so probably not. Uh, but if you were expecting Chaz Surratt to come in and win the third linebacker job and be the guy that comes in in base packages or something like that, or, you know, come in as a rotational guy right away, then yeah, missing minicamp would probably have an adverse effect on that, but he's got a lot of time to make up lost ground if you're trying to hold your hopes out for that. I'm not going to join you there, though. A British Vikings fan asks, is there a chance that the Vikings drafting of lighter linebackers like Dye and Surratt coincide with the signing of Tomlinson and moreover how much they reportedly liked Stefan in that having a three technique that can run defend really well can help lighter linebackers so we can have better pass coverage in the second level without sacrificing run defense? Maybe a dumb question, but something I was pondering. Uh, that's not a dumb question at all. I think you nailed it. I, I think that's exactly what the plan is. You have lighter linebackers, that don't have to go up as against guards as much because the defensive tackles can hold guards from 
uh, comboing up to you. That is what Shamar Stefan did. It's the only thing Shamar Stefan did, and it's why I didn't think he was particularly well suited to be a starter. Um, but yeah, and then you get you know linebackers that are better in coverage, so you can essentially foist the entire responsibility of run defense onto the defensive tackles. If they can handle that burden, then your linebackers can be all coverage guys, and you can essentially c- commit more resources to the pass. It's essentially, I, I think, the strategic version of the pat. You know, coverage is king. Um, and I think, you know, tooling your roster for that, they might have gone a little far. They, they're pretty extreme on this. And I think this is the, the, the test case for that, that theory. MN Soda asks, what kind of changes can we expect by moving from Gary to Clint Kubiak? Sincerely hoping the answer includes less runs on second and long. Uh, wouldn't get your hopes up for that last part. I, I think the idea of runs on second and long is just something embedded into the NFL pretty deeply. Um, and the Vikings, I don't know, they just always like to do it. They feel really good about Dalvin Cook, and like he converts like more of them than he should. I don't know. I, I've never liked the second and long runs, though. Uh, I don't think the change is going to be that steep, honestly. I, I think you're going to see mostly the same concepts, and I don't think that's a problem. Um, you know, the bootlegs, the the wide, the outside zones, the uh, Mills concepts, the Yankees concepts, the long touchdowns on deep posts, the go balls down the sideline if they have single coverage and Adam Thielen in a way that they like. All that stuff is great, and I don't think Clint Kubiak's going to get rid of it. I don't think he should. Um, I don't think he's going to run the ball less, and I know that's going to be disappointing to a lot of people, um, but I just, I just don't see it. I don't know. It just seems like he's going to try to continue with what offense they had because they seem every time you talk to them, every time you ask them about it, they seem pretty happy with how the offense went. And I don't think they're looking to rock the boat. Uh, D Exker asks, do you think if the injury bug hit, say two of our tackles got hurt, that they would move Cleveland to like right tackle and make a backup guard play? Or would they just sign a free agent tackle? I think they move Cleveland out before they sign a, a street free agent. Uh, if that's what you're asking. Um, but I, I guess it depends on who, right? If you lose Brian O'Neill and Oli Udo, then maybe you move Darasaw or Rashad Hill over or do something like that before you move Ezra Cleveland out of position. Um, I think if it came down to it, if the options were were out of guys, we either have to move Ezra Cleveland and make, say, Mason Cole play uh, left guard or sign a street free agent, I think they go with the former, if that's what you were asking. Uh, MJ Burke says, with the remover of the one shell rule, would you rather A, have the flatter purple throwbacks that we wore during the Favre-Peterson year, or B, come up with something new? I'm all about those purple throwbacks. Uh, The one shell rule was the old rule where you could only have one helmet decal for whatever reason. Um, They didn't want to make multiple helmet decals. And now that's been removed, leading to a lot of ability for like throwbacks and stuff, which is really exciting, I think. Uh, but I, I love those throwbacks. I, I The throwbacks a thousand years. Ark says, will Zim favor experience in the special teams battles? Um, I don't think he's going to make that decision based on who does or doesn't have more experience. I think he'll make that decision based purely 100%, maybe even to a fault, on who plays better in the four weeks leading up to the season of training camp, preseason, all that stuff, or the five, six weeks, whenever, however long that is. That's who gets the job. Everybody starts from zero right now, especially with the specialists. Now, having experience, that'll help you, right? If you have experience, you're going to have an easier job than somebody who doesn't. That's just like how the world works. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be any like bias in the decision making. There's going to be bias in the like actual result. But you know what is biased all the time? Vegas. They are very biased toward, uh, you know, national rumblings, the the whims of the football cog- cognoscenti, as Dan Hansis would always say on Around the NFL. And if you want to take advantage of that, head on over to betonline.ag. You can bet on just about everything. You can bet on the NFC North again, I guess, now that Aaron Rodgers is probably coming back to Green Bay. They've probably fixed all those odds and put them back up there uh, as you are listening to this 
there was a moment where the Vikings were like plus 175 to win the division and they were favored when everybody was saying like maybe Aaron Rodgers retires. Uh, they've been as high as plus 375 to win the division. It's been fun to watch that fluctuate as nothing changes. And all it is is that we get closer to the season and you have more time to think about it. That's always fun to watch the betting market kind of change that way. But if you want to bet on the Vikings, uh, the the Packers, the Buccaneers, the WNBA, anything else, you can go to betonline.ag. They're your one-stop shop for all things news, scores, and odds, and it is free to set up an account at betonline.ag. All you got to do is go to their website, desktop or mobile, make your account, and then when you make your first deposit, make sure you enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, because they will match half of your first deposit in free Gramblin' money just for entering that promo code. That means if your first deposit is $1,000, they will put 500 bucks in your account on top of that just for entering the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Got a lot of questions to get to, so if I don't get to yours, I might get back to it next week. So tune in next week for this, but I'll get to as many as I can. The next one comes from Mitchell Dykstra, who asks, Do you think that report of Aaron Rodgers likely playing for the Packers this year motivates the Vikings to pursue a better DE option opposite Daniel Hunter with a significant amount of cap space still available? Um, So I think I want to see how much cap space is available after they extend Harrison Smith and Brian O'Neill. I don't know how that's going to affect things. You could get Harrison Smith's cap hit down. You could uh, Brian O'Neill's will probably go up. Harrison Smith's might not necessarily go down. I don't really know where that's going to end up. So when it comes to cap space, I say put a pin in that for now. Um, if you didn't hear, I don't know how you didn't hear, but Aaron Rodgers is probably coming back to the Packers. It seems like they are, at least as of this recording, on the verge of striking a new deal where he voids the last year of his contract and he basically gets kind of first right of where he gets to play next year, but he'll play in... Uh, in Green Bay in 2021, and that seems like it's kind of setting up to be the final year, the last dance, if you will. I don't think the Vikings were particularly unmotivated to get a defensive end. I think they just chose other things instead of that, and I've disagreed with that pretty much the whole offseason. But I don't think that they were thinking, ah, Aaron Rodgers won't even be in Green Bay. Let's just draft Chaz Surratt instead. Like, I don't think that's what they were doing. Um, I think they are probably... Uh, more confident in their pass rush than I am. I, that's probably where the the incongruity is. Um, and so I don't think the existence of Aaron Rodgers suddenly makes them go, oh, crap, we need a pass rush now. Like, they always needed a pass rush. There's more good quarterbacks on their schedule than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Eli says, P2 said on his show that the NFL's, the best NFL GMs have a five to 10 year plan. As the Vikings have seemingly been in win now mode, do you think Rick Spielman has that long of an outlook? Is it even a realistic expectation for a front office to plan for drafts and off seasons, which revolve around current high schoolers? Um, so when he says five to 10 year plan, so I, last I heard directly from the man himself was, uh, an interview he gave, in training camp 2018, where he basically said he and Briz have everything pretty much itemized three years out uh, or earmarked three years out. You know, we're going to spend this much on either extending this guy or a free agent and we're going to spend this much on that and basically earmarked and you kind of adjust your plan as you go. Um, and then the next two years, you kind of have loosely thought out. I think anything beyond that is a waste of time. So I kind of disagree with Patrick Peterson there. I think if you were planning for anything six years out, that's a total waste of time. I think uh, you know, the way Spielman does it, three years structured, two years less structured, I don't know, makes as much sense as anything. Um, but I think a, a five-year plan is probably about the maximum out you can go. Um, and then everything else, I don't know, who's like, if imagine if the Vikings had made any decisions in 2015 about what happens this offseason, none of them would matter at all. Uh, so I don't think Rick Spielman plans that far ahead. I don't really think he should. 
Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. Purple Cool Aid asks, how highly do you rank this Zimmer Spielman offseason since the start of Zimmer's, Zimmer's tenure? I feel like this is the first time they're addressing every weak point. So pretty high. I went out and ranked them. Here's where I ranked them. I actually put the first one first. I put 2014 first. That one was pretty phenomenal. You drafted Anthony Barr, Teddy Bridgewater, which I still will view as a positive, even though, you know, injury kind of derailed it. Um, you got Linval Joseph and Captain Munnerlin in free agency. I think that was a slam dunk of an offseason in both free agency and the draft. 15 had the best draft of the bunch, one of the best drafts of the last decade. So that goes second. Um, I really liked the 2017 offseason. That's where you added Dalvin Cook. You added two tackles and kind of that was the one where they really most aggressively attacked the offensive line. I think a lot of people liked that offseason for that reason. I put 2021 uh, next because the rest of them I actually have a decent amount of problems with. I think 14, 15, and 17 were pretty good. I think 20, I love the 2021 uh, offseason. I think that's pretty good. Remains to be seen. It might move up, might move down, but if I had to guess, this is where I'm putting it. Uh, the 2019 one is next. I don't have any problems with 2019. Um, Josh Klein was a fine signing, and they didn't really do anything else, so it's very neutral, goes in the middle. Uh, 2018, I didn't like. You might put it higher if you like the signing of Kirk Cousins. I don't like the signing of Kirk Cousins. And the only other thing that 2018 has is a one-year deal for Sheldon Richardson, uh, losing all of your quarterbacks and having a pretty bad draft. So that one goes near the bottom for me. But if you like the Kirk Cousins signing, if you think Kirk Cousins signing Kirk Cousins was a good move, you'd probably put it like above 2017 because that's obviously the most important thing that happened here. Uh, then the 2016 offseason, not a lot of motion in free agency. They got Alex Boone and that's it. And then uh, the, a, a really bad draft with, you know, the Laquan Treadwell, uh, Morris Boringer draft. Um, and then the Chernobyl disaster, the heat death of the universe, and then the 2020 offseason, which was uh, the biggest disaster of all the things I just named. Uh, Viking Range asked, Taylor Moten was extended by the Panthers. Any thoughts on how that impacts Brian O'Neill's contract? Um, so it probably does give Brian O'Neill's agent some leverage on which to negotiate, probably helps him negotiate, and therefore, you know, gives him a bit higher price than he would have had before, especially if Moten doesn't have the weird left tackle incentive. I think the biggest thing working against Brian O'Neill right now is that he is a right tackle and that they get less money than left tackles. But Taylor Moten, as a right tackle, just got a ton of money. So did Ryan Ramchek. Ramchek had a, a provision that he got more money if he is a left tackle um, that kind of inflated the, the overall value of the contract. Moten, I don't think, has that. And so there is this kind of trend where his agent can go to the Vikings and say, see, right tackles are getting paid now. You got to pay my guy. So I think that helps. Um, but he was always going to get paid a pretty large amount of money anyways. And this only really serves to like reinforce that. Uh, Chris asks, if you could ask Rick Spielman one question and be guaranteed an honest and detailed answer, what would it be? Um, so I know this question was asked to Arif Hassan on Norse Code in a recent episode, and I really like the way he answered that. Um, basically said, you know, make it as vague as possible because you have to get an honest and detailed answer. So that's how you can maximize information. So I would definitely steal that. Um, Arif said he would ask, how do you evaluate draft prospects? I love that one. I would maybe steal that one. Uh, the other one maybe I would ask is something like similarly vague. How do you plan your salary cap for future years? I would love more detailed information about the thing I answered earlier about like a five to 10 year plan or how do you, uh, you know, construct contracts? How do you plan for the future of your salary cap and see how much detail that gets me? 
Uh, James Kuanu asks, if you were to give an honest comparison of each position group between Minnesota and Green Bay, which team comes out on top? Given the comparison, what would you pre- predict the head-to-head be this year? Uh, so Green Bay, I would give quarterback and offensive line. Minnesota, I'd give wide receiver. It's close. I know Devonta Adams is good, but we got two. Uh, linebacker, obviously, Green Bay's are disasters. And safety, I, I'm not a huge fan of like Darnell Savage and stuff. I think Harrison Smith is excellent. I'm pretty big on Xavier Woods this year. Um, I don't think any of that is particularly controversial, except maybe the wide receivers. Uh, and then the pushes, I don't know, Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones. I'm sure we could argue till we're blue in the face. Call it a wash. Defensive line, um, it's a reconstructor group for the Vikings, and the Packers group got worse. Like They're going to start with Sean Gary. Uh, we're going to start with Stephen Weatherly. We got Daniel Hunter. We got a bunch of really good defensive tackles. Um, and I think cornerback, they have the best of all of them in Jair Alexander, but behind Jair Alexander is really, really bad. And I think the Vikings have a more balanced group. So we'll call that a push as well. Based on that, eh, one and one, but I think the Packers have a better chance to go to two and oh us than we have to two and oh them. Uh, but yeah, call it, you know, the home team wins every time. I know how, how daring. Zach McDermott asks, do you think Patrick Jones can start like his college coach says? Uh, sure. I mean, he's got to beat Stephen Weatherly. That can't be too hard. I don't think he starts on most teams. I think he could totally start on this one if he's good in camp. Uh, but he's got to make the NFL transition quickly, right? And that's the thing that's holding back all these guys. And Landon Renly asks, what Olympic event would Kirk have the best chance of winning gold in? So based on all the possible Olympic events, um, I mean, he's not like a, a sprinter or anything like that, right? Cycling, he could have a pretty good... Uh, chance in but again his legs are not his athleticism it's his arms so i I, archery right it's uh requires accuracy it requires arm strength it it requires a certain amount of uh like focus that you would get as a a quarterback but i'm I'm trying to think of something that would like really reward his penchant for preparation uh and i think maybe equestrian would be the the thing that Kirk Cousins would really, if you give him like a year to train and really prepare and learn what they do and, and really get a sense for how to excel at equestrian, I think equestrian might be the one. But if not, the lame answer is archery. I will see you all tomorrow. we got some story time series left to do, so I'm going to get that finished up before the end of the week, and we will keep you abreast of everything going on in training camp. I can't wait to give you all of the updates. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. That's available wherever you find your favorite shows, and it's everything in all of sports in under 20 minutes every single morning. We'll see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.